I believe I just said to everybody, I don't know. I feel like I'm recording this with an 80-year-old. <laughs> Eight-year-old or 80? 80. 80-year-old. 80 Eight-year-olds know all this. I believe the book, every story that I've heard, every line and every word, in those sacred pages, I believe the book. Welcome to the third episode of the I Believe the Book podcast. Now, I need to begin today by apologizing for how long it has taken us to get this episode out. I want to just go ahead and confess that we recorded it, this actual episode or tried to record it many months ago. I think we discussed back in October perhaps. Yeah. And then there were some technical difficulties and we weren't able to use it. And then we scheduled a date to come back in and record it again. And all of the crew showed up and Brother Randy showed up and I didn't show up. <laughs> you remember that night, I I'm sure. That, yes. And uh, I just completely forgot and uh, missed it all together. So now we have gotten back together and are recorded. We're excited about it and look forward to what God's going to do in the session today. And uh, just want to apologize for it being so long. Now, I do want to tell you. And I'm trying to uh, commit. I'm going to try to commit. That doesn't sound like very much commitment, no. does it? I'm going to try to commit to do about one a month and be faithful to try to keep that pace. And uh, I've got Brother Brandon Wilson's helping now. Of course, Brother Marvin Greer, I mentioned him last time. Appreciate all these men that make it possible. He is going to push me a little bit to try to keep me on pace. And so hopefully we'll get you one of these about once a month so that you can enjoy it. Now, I want to say that I'm not uh, tech savvy. I don't understand all the things of the internet and all of that. So I need you to share and like and put it out and forward it and uh, all that stuff. Do all those things that you guys can do to help us get the word out. And again, we're not trying to do this for any kind of uh, popularity or to gain any personal glory. But we do want to get it out. I, be I believe that these men that are coming on are giving us good information uh, that can help you know why you can believe the Bible is the Word of God. And so if you can help us get that information out, that would be a blessing. Now today, as you can see, I've got a guest with me. Some of you may know Brother Randy. This is Randy Keener. Brother Randy is an evangelist. has been in our church about five years. Now, Brother Randy is well known. He is a, a Facebook <laughs> Live sensation already. He's been on the internet for many years. And um, a lot of you know him from that. But Brother Randy has pastored and has uh, taught the Bible for many years, even before he was a pastor, taught an adult Sunday school class in the church he attended. And, uh, and he is a good Bible student. I respect Brother Randy a great deal as a Bible teacher. And so I'm excited about him coming on here today. Uh, but before we get into the book and why we believe the book, uh, many of you know that we like to start with some uh, story Something funny that has happened to us in the ministry through the years. And so, Brother Randy, share with us your funny story, if you will, from the ministry days. All right. So uh, this one's from when I was younger, much younger. Um, <laughs> it, it was from New Manor Camp, actually. There you and go. Th there at the camp, yeah. So uh, one night, there was a bad storm out there, and, and there were a, a few young guys who were really tore up. I'm talking like maybe 10 now, you were years a old. counselor? No, no. Okay, I, just I was, an older team. Yeah, I, I was probably maybe... 17, 16, 17, somewhere in there, maybe 18, but it, right at the end of my camp years. I got you. Yeah, and, and there were some younger campers who had a really hard time going to sleep, and they thought they saw a demon, <laughs> okay, because the lightning's flashing. Yeah. And so, you know, they said they saw it back at the kitchen area. Right. Okay, so. It is kind of a dark place. It is, that, it is, and the area. stairs, and yeah, yeah it is kind of yeah, creepy back I can there. understand. 
So me and another young preacher, Jay Shuler. Jay Shuler. Mm-hmm. Well, shout out to Brother Jay yes. right there. We walk back there to the back with these young men, and we're trying to show them there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, it's just your imagination. Right, right. And, you know, we've got flashlights, and we're trying to recreate stuff. You know, maybe this is what you saw. And, you know, they were not convinced. They saw a demon. And so, you know, Jay and I left them at their bunks, and on the way back to ours, we're talking about, okay, what do you do if you really saw one, like hypothetically, yeah. how would you handle this situation? Trying to figure out what you can share with these young men. Yeah, how, yeah. How they could handle it if they had seen right. it. Right, and, and how you. we could handle it, right? <laughs> yeah. So we talk about, you know, rebuking them maybe, or mm. yeah, pleading the blood. There you go, I yeah, go with that. Yeah, uh, you know, all these things that, that we're talking about throwing out uh, on how to handle these demons. Well, we get to our dorm and Jay's getting ready to open. I hear a sound behind me. I turn around and lo and behold, there's a demon there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And it it was another young guy who had taken a black suit coat and threw it over his head and hung some black t-shirts off of him. And he's just standing there, you know, like this. Just a dark figure in in the shadows. But but no doubt it it was something, you know. (laughs) And Jay's just standing there. He's petrified. So my guess is y'all began to quote scriptures and sing about the blood and handle it. Like, like nobody's business. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's the first, no. Yeah. Jay's standing there and you know, he's like, he looks like a cartoon character trying to get in. So I finally just had to pick him up and throw him down the hill. You know, it's that back dorm where the hill yeah, is. Yeah. So I, I just kind of throwed him under the bus. You're right. Yeah. So I tossed him down the hill and went in and I'm standing there watching this thing. You know, I hear Jay crawling up the side of the hill here and I, like right over here on my periphery, I catch three other young preachers, mm. Jonathan Davis, oh. Tommy Lanning. Spiritual giants. Yeah, I don't remember who the third one was, but they had orchestrated our demon to be there. <laughs> and man, they were just laying on the ground laughing. So, Oh, it's funny how we think one thing, but in the moment, there wasn't any quoting of scripture. No. There wasn't any rebuking. No. No, it was running and sacrificing <laughs> our friend. I yes. got it. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we often develop how we think, and that's in the ministry as well, isn't it? it well, is. I'll tell you how I would handle that, but you get in those situations and you don't really know. That's a great story. I'm excited <laughs> that we were able to bring Jonathan and Jay and Tommy, all of them, into that yes. story right there. Spiritual giants, no doubt. Well, I appreciate uh, Brother Randy being willing to share that story. One of the things we always want to do is just let everybody know that, that the men that come on here, they love God and they want to serve God, but they're just men. And uh, we slip up, we make mistakes. But we just try to get up. The Bible said, just man fall to seven times. Yes, sir. Sometimes you get thrown down a hill by your friend, That's but you right. just rise up again <laughs> is the key. And so uh, I appreciate you sharing that. And I hope that you understand it's all right to laugh. It's all right to have a good time. And listen, you need to be able to laugh at yourself. We want to be, I don't think you should give yourself this title, but we want to be men of God. We want to be that in the, in the eyes of people. And I don't say that in any kind of proud or arrogant way. Uh, but it's okay to understand you're not perfect and to admit those imperfections and to laugh at yourself and go forward. Many of you have seen the video over and over. I still get comments about me falling down the stairs. What are you going to do except just embrace it and move on? And so I appreciate that, Brother Randy. But we're really here to talk about why we can believe the Bible is the Word of God. I believe that there's an epidemic right now of young people losing faith in the Word of God. Sure. That, uh, 
There's so many skeptics out there, and unfortunately, even people that claim to be preachers and Bible people are now casting doubt on things in the Bible. They cast doubt about the miracles, and they cast doubt on creation and different things. And so the burden of this podcast is just to give some good, solid, quick-hitting information as to why we can believe the book. And so talk to me about that for a couple minutes. Sure. Well, when you asked me to do this, I wanted to piggyback off the idea of I believe the book, but the book in my hand, mm. you know, the book that I'm holding. Specifically. Yes. Yeah. And, and the concept that's being propagated today is that we can only trust in the originals or, or at the very least yeah. the original languages. Right. So when you're talking about the book in your hand, you're talking specifically about the King James Bible. Yes, the King James oh. Bible. And so, <laughs> you know, may have this idea that you must trust in the originals yeah. and, and that a translation mm. is not good enough. Mm. But in Acts chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, the Bible says, And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, over in Acts chapter 26... Paul repeats his story in verse number 14 as he's before King Agrippa. Go ahead. And it says, verse 14, And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue. Now that's very important. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now, uh, the problem here for those who would say that a translation is not a good source or not good enough. Or let's clarify that their argument would ultimately be a translation cannot be inspired. Right, yes. The originals are inspired, but we need to stop arguing over whether or not the King James is inspired because a translation could not be inspired. That's the argument. Correct, that is the argument. Now deal with it on this text here. So the issue or what we're having revealed to us here is that Jesus did originally speak these words in the Hebrew tongue. Says it plainly. Right, but when Luke wrote these words down, he wrote them in Greek. So, so they were already translated. They were already translated. There is no manuscript of Acts that records the words of Jesus in Hebrew. Not one that, so, that's known. if you use their logic, then you would be able to say that these few words that the Lord spoke in Hebrew, because they were recorded in Greek, were not inspired, even in the originals, because mm-hmm. they had already been translated from one language to another. Right, yeah, which, which was inspired. And we certainly the know they are inspired, yeah. these words, certainly, the words of the Lord himself. The original statement, Luke's writings, or, or both, and of course we believe both. Both, amen. Yeah. I like that. So, you know, God shows us his attitude overall towards the originals, and, and we see that in Jeremiah. Yeah. You know, Jeremiah wrote the original. Yeah. It was destroyed. Yes. Original number two comes along, yes. which has words added to it, yep. and original number two gets thrown in the river. Yeah. So, you know, it only stands to reason that we have a copy that Jeremiah was brought to us from, but we can trust it. Yes, we can. There ain't no doubt about it. So just because something is translated... Mm-hmm doesn't mean it cannot continue to be inspired. Right. right. And, and, and the idea that translation is, uh, you know, not really a good thing or diminishing something isn't a historical viewpoint. The King James translators wrote, translation, it is that openeth the window to let in the light, that breaketh the shell, that we may eat the kernel, that putteth aside the curtain, that we may look into the most holy place, that removeth the cover of the well, that we may come by the water. 
So mm -hmm. the King James translators had this high view of translation, yeah. but really even the apostles did. So Matthew, historical records tell us, Papias, I guess is how you say his name. We'll the, go with the, that. the problem is I, I read a lot, but nobody tells me how to say these things. Uh, but uh, Papaya, we'll go with it. between 150 to 170 AD, said that Matthew composed the words in the Hebrew dialect and each translated as he was able. Irenaeus in 170 AD said the exact same thing, that Matthew also issued a written gospel among the Hebrews in their own dialect. In Haley's Bible Handbook, speaking of the book of Hebrews, he wrote that Clement of Alexandria thought that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews in Hebrew, that would make sense, yeah. and that Luke translated it thereafter into Greek. Mm. And so even the apostles had a high view of translation, sure. and it seems that as soon as the Hebrew text was written, that immediately yeah. you have a Greek translation. Yeah, which is fully inspired. Well, yes. Continuing. Of course, we believe... Strongly, and we'll talk about this a little more, we believe strongly in the promise of preservation. Mm -hmm. And if preservation is not inspired, I believe Brother Sam Giff has a quote about that. Yes. Uh, what is it that he says? Do you remember that one? Inspiration without preservation is a divine waste of time. That's right. And so the very, the very uh, promise of preservation implies a promise of continued inspiration. Mm -hmm. That we can have confidence, even though it is a translation, that this is the words of God. Mm -hmm. That this is exactly what He wanted us to have, and it has been perfectly preserved for us. And so I like that. I like the fact that we're able to show here that some parts of even, quote, the originals had already been translated, mm -hmm. and nobody debates whether or not they continued to keep their inspiration. And so sure. we just simply believe it can happen yet again now into English. Well, the ultimate argument that we have on this topic is where did God preserve His words? That's it. There is a promise of preservation. Jesus Himself said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, plural, yeah. shall not. Now, the yeah. Greek word there is lagoi. Yeah. That is, um, that's uh, a plural word, yeah. and, and it's the word for words. Yeah. So, so it's plural in our English book, but mm -hmm. it's also plural in, in the original text. That's what you're saying. That's yeah. right. And so that word there being plural, it, it's not thoughts and ideas. That's right. And that's what a lot of people talk about when they say the Word of God. Gotcha. You know, we, we have the Word of God. Well, it goes deeper than just the Word, like a thought or an idea. Right. But it goes to the level of jots and tittles. I got you. Uh, a very minuscule words yeah. would not pass away. And that would be the argument for many of the modernists, wouldn't it? Is that, well, you know, we don't have to have every exact word. We have the Word of God, the ideas, the concepts, uh, and they would argue then that it's okay that some of the individual words are changed as long as the thoughts and concepts. Of course, we don't even believe the thoughts and concepts travel clearly when you start changing the King James Bible. They mess up major doctrines by changing just small words. Sure they do. But with that being said, the promise there that my words being plural, he wasn't just saying the thoughts and concepts. He was saying these specific words that I want you to have. That's an excellent, excellent point. So the conclusion then, if we're asking that question uh, about this ultimate argument, where did God preserve His words? Or uh, another way to phrase this is what is Scripture? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration right. of God. And so there's a direct correlation with Scripture and inspiration. And before we move forward again, I hate to keep interrupting you, but there's thoughts I just want to make sure that I feel like I represent many times the average listener. So I want to make sure that the average listeners get these questions sure. in. 
Um, so what, again, we would consider modern Christians or people who are not King James only. Do they believe, didn't you tell me recently you even watched a, a, a podcast or listened to a podcast where they say, yes, they do believe in the promise of preservation. Is that correct? Sure. Now, they reject it in Psalm 12, 6, okay. where you and I would probably go. Would start. Yeah, yeah. We, we would start there because uh, there is a promise of preservation. Sure. And the context is words. Yeah. If you read down through that, it's constantly yeah. speaking about words. But even beyond Psalm 12, 6. Yeah. Jesus gave us a promise yeah. of preservation. And so they would agree with that. Certainly mm -hmm. the Jesus quote, they would say, oh, yes, Jesus, you know, said his words shall not pass away. But that's how they explain it away by saying it means uh, the concepts rather than just the specific words. Mm -hmm. But that, that being plural takes that debate away. Sure. And then we get into the question, if all scripture is given by inspiration, then that connects those two words. Mm -hmm. Like something in order to be considered scripture must have inspiration. You must have both to be either or. Is that what we're saying? Sure. So then the question becomes, well, what is scripture? Exactly. I see. And, and this book claims to be scripture. Sure it does. Okay, but uh, there's some arguments that are given by those who would be anti-King James only. Right. Now, there is no crowd that's NIV only or ESV only. <laughs> but honestly, if there were, I would at least have some respect for that. Right. Because they're, they're establishing that, okay, we believe that God has given us his words. Right, right. Okay, so those who are anti-King James only, um, you know, they say that no translation can be inspired. But if that's true, then their ESVs aren't inspired. Their right. NIVs aren't inspired. The right. King James not inspired. And so therefore, we, don't, we have, don't have scripture. We don't have it. Not, not in the English language, at least. Right. So then the next step for them would be to go to the original autographs. Well, the original autographs. And for those who may not know, that's where the... Uh, authors took pen and put pen to paper. Yeah. Okay. The original autographs, and they would say, "Well, inspiration's there." Well, if we have a promise of preservation, which even they mm -hmm. agree with on some level, the original autographs are non-existent now. The promise has failed. The closest that we can get to them in any manuscript, good or bad, is right in the 300s, 300s right. A.D. Right. Okay, so that's as close as we can get yeah. to the originals. Okay, so the third argument is that Scripture cannot exist in all the copies of the original languages due to the fact that there's strong historical evidence that at least two New Testament books were written in Hebrew and then translated into Greek soon after. Mm. So the original language is historically for Matthew and Hebrews would be Hebrew. And you do not find a Hebrew copy of either one of those books that wasn't later translated right. or made in, uh, right. from a copy. So again, you can't have it. It's mm -mm. not here. You cannot have it. So the fourth thing is, as for the rest of the New Testament, excluding Matthew and Hebrews, if we are trusting the Alexandrian line of manuscripts for mm -hmm. our scripture, well, just in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 3,000 plus what we call textual variants or differences yeah. just in those four books alone yeah. where they can't even Where they agree. disagree, mm -hmm. right. Yeah, just those two manuscripts. So we couldn't say that's Scripture. Which one of those is Scripture? I exactly. If they disagree with one another, how, how do you decide which one of them is Scripture? And, and then the last thing I would say is that those who are anti-King James onlyism says that they believe God preserved His Word, but none of them can tell you where it is. Right. And that's the problem. You know, if, if God preserved his word, then where is it? Where can I go to that's find it. what God says? We believe we have the word of God. 
Sure. We believe that uh, God has perfectly preserved His Word for us in this King James Bible. Not that it contains the concepts, but that it is the words of God. Now, before we go, Brother Randy, uh, you mentioned to me one time we got to talking about the Textus Receptus because that comes into this conversation a lot. And some people do want to fall back and say, well, that's it. We just, I heard a preacher say one time very plainly, he said, more, and he was, you know, he used the King James, but he was questioned on a particular verse, and here's what he said. Well, more than the King James, I'm a Textus Receptus man. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we call them Bible correctors. You know, they'll change, they'll say the Textus Receptus says. But you shared with me something, I believe it was in the preface of, now whose Textus Receptus is this? Scrivener. Scrivener's Textus Receptus, which is the one most people use today. Yeah. If they make a reference to, they have a Textus Receptus. Uh, and I wanted you to share just that little portion of the preface and what he said. Okay, uh, it says here in the preface, the present edition of the Textus Receptus underlying the English authorized version of 1611 follows the text of Beza's 1598 edition as a primary authority and corresponds with, here it is, the New Testament in the original Greek according to the text followed in the authorized version. This was produced in 18... Uh, 1894. Okay. This was compiled, if you will. The Textus Receptus was made up it of was many... It was edited. Yeah, it was many, many physical manuscripts that was all considered the Textus Receptus. Scrivener compiled it into one book that you could have. And what he's saying in his preface here, if I understood it right, was as he was trying to compile that, if he had any kind of confusion as to what a certain portion should say, his reference book was what? The King James Bible. The King James Bible. Yes. So that when he was trying to compile this Textus Receptus, which is the one many people use as their, you know, their foundation, if you will, uh, that his words were, if I got to a place where a couple of manuscripts, I couldn't figure out exactly what needed to be, he said, I would refer to the authorized version and I would go that route, what it said. Yeah, so there was a guy that went to my church and a um, good guy, but he comes up to me on a Wednesday night and he was studying to be a preacher at a large seminary in the area. And he comes up to me, he says, you know, I understand that you're King James only and I've picked that up in your preaching and I'm not, if that's a problem, then I'll be happy to leave. Mm -hmm. And I said, no, that, that's not a problem at all. I'd love for you to be here. Uh, and I told him, I said, it is going to come up from time to time. And as long as you can stomach that, I, yeah, I want you yeah, here. Yeah. And so, you, you know, we had a good conversation. But, you know, that, I guess, is where he felt he could bring up some of his sure, issues. Sure. Now, I, I just cut him off. I said, you know, we can talk about these issues all night long. But what it boils down to is this, whether or not you hold God's Word in your hand. I believe I have God's Word in my hand where do you have it? And he, he went away sad that night. Sure it was did. like the rich young ruler. He, yeah. he went away and he was very distraught because yeah. he didn't believe they had the words of God. Oh, and that's a, a terrible way to live a Christian life. Yes, it is. To think that the God who loves you did not preserve a book for you. You know what it comes down to, Brother Randy, is we're living in a crazy day. You know, 2020 was a wild year of you know, instability and confusion. And uh, God wants us to have a foundation on which we can build our lives and our families. And that foundation is the Word of God. You know, in that little old children's song based on the parable, the wise man built his house upon the rock. You know, that foolish man built his house on the sand. That, that in context is people who hear the Word of God and do it. 
That's the context of that foundation. Well, you have to know you have the Word of God. Sure. And I'm thankful that even though these days are crazy and many things are changing, God never changes, and we have His perfectly preserved, inspired Word contained in this King James Bible. And you know what? And you can believe it. And so we appreciate you tuning in, and hopefully you have been blessed by some of these thoughts. And uh, if we can help you, we, we, uh, you can reach out to us on social media. Uh, you can email me. My email address is just my name, Tony Shirley at newmanabaptist.com. Tony Shirley at newmanabaptist.com. If you had questions, you can send them to that, and we try to answer them as best we can. And we appreciate you. God bless you. Have a happy new year.